Welcome to the Keos Podcast, a series dedicated to bringing you the best claims and legal insight. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third in a series of podcasts put on by the uh, Keos Brain Injury Special Interest Group. Uh, today, we're talking about Glasgow Coma Scale and Mayo classification for traumatic brain injury claims. And I'm joined today by Martin McAleer. Hello, Martin. Hello, Vic. And um, those of you that know Martin know that he is a partner in uh, Keogh's Bolton office in complex injury claims, as am I, Libby Ferry, for those of you who hasn't listened to the, the previous two podcasts. Um, are you looking forward to your first ever podcast, Martin? Uh, first ever I've uh, actually participated in, Libby, but I, I may be of an age, but uh, I do listen to podcasts. <laughs> I, I, but, but interesting ones, and let's hope this one is as interesting. Well, it's fame at last, Martin. Well exactly. deserved, I'm sure. Um, so I think the first thing I'd want to mention, really, for those of you who are listening, is what do we mean by classification of traumatic brain injury um, claims? I'm sure any of you that have got experience of dealing with claims see the terms mild, moderate, moderate, severe, bandied around quite a lot. Um, and I think, I don't know whether you agree, Martin, but I think the first thing you want to do when you've got a claim in front of you that may or may not be a traumatic brain injury claim is sort of get it badged as such um, by the right I, person. I, I, I tend to agree very much, Libby, and that therein lies a real difficulty in dealing with these cases. And you say the right person and ordinarily, and I think, well, actually strictly, the right person should be a neurologist. And yeah. when dealing with these claims, we, we, we can often start out in the rehab space or in the case management space and and I call it straying and <laughs> we can we can often have a case manager or a physio or any a GP even a representative who and I use the term very loosely who who diagnoses a brain injury yeah. or quite possibly says you might have a brain injury and that can often set the hair running and uh, the the, ge the genie can be out of the bottle, Libby, and in in a, a claimant who's perhaps vulnerable or maybe has a psychiatric history or a minor psychiatric injury sustained in the accident, that those people can and legitimately so begin to believe I, I've yeah. got a brain injury. So it's about I, acting smart at that stage, isn't it? Yeah, no, and I to intend to agree. And also, weirdly, people prefer to have a brain injury than to be concerned that they've got psychiatric problems you often find don't you yeah. so if yeah. somebody and it might not be the right person tells them they might have a brain injury they'll jump on it um right yeah very so, much so yeah no i agree so who would you go to then which is your expert your, your neurologists that you you that's the, the key one i think do you agree very much yeah very much i think i think the neurologist is is singularly in place to, to diagnose brain injury the, the, yeah. the rest will follow but it's got to be in the domain of a neurologist yeah yeah, no, totally agree. So um, I suppose the next question is, why is it important for us to decide where the brain injury sits on the classifications? You know, is it a mild one? Is it a moderate one? I suppose the most obvious point, and especially for those that are listening that deal with these claims probably from the defendant side more, is um, it directly impacts, from my point of view, the first thing it impacts is level of PSLA. Um, yeah, absolutely, Libby. Um, I think, as defendants, we're dealing with claims. We're paying these claims, and it, and it does it, it. It boils down to the cost, but it, equally, it can inform, I suppose, the intensity or level of treatment that yeah. an individual may require um, 
the le- the less severe, the less the less treatment one would one would imagine in theory is needed. Yeah. So but, going but, back to your yeah. point earlier on about rehab as well. So it's quite important that even before we've seen a you know a, a medico legal report, if your rehab is involved and they've got somebody looking at whether it's a brain injury, make sure they're looking with, at, for a neurology but, but comment on that. Yeah. 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 Very much. So I think I used the word smart and and if if that initial ANA, for example, and that initial treatment and rehab is smart, then we're 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 in a space where that injury can be treated properly as as opposed to as opposed to being amongst a uh, I suppose a scattergun approach to this type of treatment where if it's focused and as I say smart then then we could yeah. perhaps nip it in the bud. And there's a there's a bigger picture as well and, and yes as as insurers and, and defendants we're dealing with the cost but it, it will of course uh, in, inform what value perhaps PSLA is but equally the extent of the brain injury could then go on to inform the, the cost of the rest of the case yeah, and, and, no, absolutely. And, and, and and we're into trotting out the, the various heads of loss I suppose that, yeah. that, that, that can mushroom and grow in these types of cases yeah no I think you're right and I think sometimes you find that the actual diagnosis the actual classification between when you are in medico-legal sphere between the defendant and claimant's experts isn't very controversial is it they might determine it was moderate severe and be quite comfortable that they've both determined that but I think the important thing and we'll come on to this more when we're looking at um, GCS and Mayo in a minute is that the classification doesn't automatically lend itself to what the actual outcome is does it, it not at it, all it, not at it, all the, the, it, it, yeah it's the, the cognitive the, the, function afterwards it, that's important the, the, isn't it absolutely the, the, the real issue is the extent of of enduring cognitive deficit yeah. that 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 it leads that it could lead to and we've seen quite significant enduring cognitive deficit, even in mild traumatic brain injury cases. And it, it goes back to the, the extent of recovery. And that goes back to my point. If you get the rehab right, then mild to yeah. moderate, moderate to, and moderate to, moderate to severe, there, there can be excellent outcomes. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So I think before we go on to talk about um, GCS and Mayo, I just my final point would be, I think it's a, a step that shouldn't be missed. So I know that I've had cases before where the claimant team have jumped straight to neuropsychology and gone straight down that route or done down psychiatric route and, and missed out the neurology comment. And I think just to reiterate the point, I don't think that step should be missed. I think we need that diagnosis and classification. I, I, I agree. It goes back to our original point. This is a neurological issue. Neuropsychology, as we both know, is extremely important later down the line to establish that enduring cognitive deficit yeah. and the impact upon everyday life. Um, it, it's about getting those steps in place in the right order. And yes, yeah. for, for me, it's, it's, it's neurology from day one. Yeah, agreed. Okay, we better talk about Glasgow Coma Scale then, given that we badged the, this talk to be about that. Um, so it's always known as GCS. That's what you'll see in all the records. Um, it's a clinical scale used to try and measure a person's level of consciousness, essentially in the immediate aftermath of normally a brain injury. Um, it assesses, doesn't it? It assesses movements. Can they speak? Can they move the body? Can they perform eye movements? So I think it's eye, verbal and motor are the three yeah. areas. There's, there's, yeah, yeah. Th- th- three distinct elements, uh, eye, verbal, motor. And essentially all, w- what it is, it's a, it is a blunt instrument to, to basically, a tool to measure how conscious 
someone is in the, in the immediate aftermath of an accident. I think the clue is in there somewhere, isn't it? When it when it actually the the C in the GCS stands for coma. So <laughs> so I, th- I think uh, I think really that, that that's what we're looking at, isn't it? Yeah, and also I think it's important to point out that this this neurologists use it in medical legal claims to look at classification, but actually it's important in the moment and it's used really by paramedics, A and E. NHS in the immediate aftermath, isn't it, to assess that person, and that's why it's a it's a tool they use. Uh, they're not assessing cognitive function in the future, are they? They're looking at right no. now yeah. where is your level of consciousness. Yeah. And in terms of numbers, fifteen out of 15's the highest you can get. Um, yeah. And that there's you know the, your, your top score on all three of those items, and you can't actually get zero. It's three out of three, isn't it, that you can get exactly. at the bottom end? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're in. You're in big trouble if it's zero. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, but, but you're already you, dead. It's all over. <laughs> quite. I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And look, to digress slightly again, I mean, it, it isn't always the perfect outcome, even with GCS at 15, because we have seen brain injury claims yeah. brought where, the, where there is um, maximum GCS at the scene, for example. And, and In fact, we see I that think, quite a lot, don't we? We qu- yeah, see quite yeah. a lot of GCS a, it, not affected. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and we go on when we discuss Mayo, I suppose, to to explore the reasons why that can be pursued by claimants ab- absent uh, a deficient GCS. Yeah. Um, In broad terms, I mean, this is really broad terms because this, as you've just said, doesn't really equate necessarily to the brain injuries we see. I think the the advice is mild TBIs fourteen to fifteen, uh, moderate nine to thirteen, and severe three to eight. But I think. Just warn everybody, use that very carefully because that yeah. isn't really a determinative factor. Um, and your neurologist comment on that is key yeah. because it and isn't it isn't it isn't a definitive tool, is it? it it's no, it's it's not. It's not all encompassing, and on, on its own, it's not enough. Yeah, uh, agreed. With, 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 without doubt, it's with it's it's a good indicator. Um, but as I say, it's just not enough on its own. Yeah, and just something to mention as well, which we'll mention in Mayo as well, there are other factors that affect your level of consciousness after a brain yeah. injury claim. Um, medication being a massive one, if you've just had a really exactly. serious accident, you might have been pumped full of pretty high-level um, painkillers and they automatically affect your level of consciousness. So that can definitely impact. So looking at when the GCS score was taken is important in that, T- pre or post. Yeah, timing. T- 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 timing's a criti- critical issue. I mean, we've... we've We've all had cases, uh, I suppose, where GCS can be low at the scene by the time uh, emergency services, or at least at, at A and E, for example, it's it's risen to fourteen or fifteen, and and uh, but that's not necessarily an indicator simply because it's returned to normal quickly or near normal quickly that it isn't a brain injury or necessarily mild. Yeah. That there, there is still plenty of uh, neurological schools of thought out there that, that could possibly still even be moderate to severe. Yeah, absolutely. Which takes us nicely onto the another way that neurologists and and we should be thinking about the classification. So the Mayo classification. I don't know what you think, Martin, but I think the expert reports I see now they refer to this much more often than GCS and are much more comfortable talking about Mayo. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Um, I think it's perhaps uh, neurology probably think it's 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 a more scientific way there's 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 myriad criteria that they look at primarily i think and we'll we'll i'll just list them we'll come back to them individually in a minute but 
post-traumatic amnesia. I mean, obviously, the, lo- the GCS and loss of consciousness is a factor. Yep. Re- retrograde amnesia and, of course, physical evidence, not, not least radiology itself, what, what signs were indicated upon initial CT or MRI. And, of course, any, any physical hematoma, hem- hem- yeah. hem- abrasions to the head and so on, and, and any indicators such as mild or serious post-concussive symptoms. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so I think though, absolutely, it's it's more helpful in Mayo because it takes all that into account. It particularly looks at post traumatic amnesia, doesn't it? Which is something we're always looking at in records, yeah. isn't it? Trying to establish it. Um, just for those that uh, don't deal with these on a commonplace, post traumatic amnesia is it's essentially in- inability to remember things post accident, post the thing that's happened to you. Um, and so after a period of time um, that you can't remember, you start having continuous memory again. And we're looking for that period between what you can rem- when you can't remember until you've got continuous memory. The continuous bit is quite important, isn't it? Because we do get islands of memory yeah. sometimes in yeah. that period. But it's when you're laying down continuous memory that that post-traumatic period stops. Yeah. And dependent upon how long that is, influences the diagnosis on the Mayo classification, doesn't it? Yeah, very much so. And and two, two notes of caution on the on on PTA. Um, essentially, again, as, as as you mentioned, GCS earlier, it can be affected by opiates as well. Yeah. Um, p- pain itself possibly. Um, but also, and 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 dealing with it with post traumatic amnesia and a medical legal, and, and in the claim context, we we need to be careful as well that quite often. PTA is, me- is measured retrospectively, isn't it? There isn't often yeah. con- contemporaneous evidence of what the post-traumatic in- amnesia was. And that can be explained by many different legitimate reasons, not not least the fact that ordinarily some of the genuine brain injury could also have some serious polytrauma. Yeah. And and they're... they're perhaps, it's not the most that, immediate concern, is it, for yeah, medics? P- p- PTA yeah. is possibly masked, isn't it, by, yeah. by all, all the other... I mean, an individual could be admitted into... Orthopedics, and it, it's 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 just a, a measure that isn't necessarily taken at the time. But also, let's let's look at it perhaps cynically. Perhaps, <laughs> what let, us cynically? Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, Post traumatic amnesia can often just be claim a self report. And yeah. what what what? How how does one go behind that? Yeah, it's difficult that, and I've mentioned that in a couple of the earlier podcasts about red flags and things as well. And I think it's it, we need to gather as much evidence as we can about yeah. traumatic amnesia, don't we? And it can be from your lay witnesses, can't it? It can be from your witnesses to the accident as to whether yeah. they were unconscious afterwards, as to whether they could remember what happened because they were hollering it at you at the roadside. I actually, I, I've actually I've actually got a case where a nurse was very, um, was on the scene. Yeah. And she carried out a fairly uh, rudimentary um, GCS uh, analysis and uh, the, the, the claimant had then gone on to report fairly acute PTA and um, I mean, two different factors, obviously, but the neurologists have jointly actually uh, held great store against the nurse's GCS analysis at the time, and 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 it, and it was fifteen. So well, that's invaluable, isn't it? That contemporaneous at the scene um, yeah. proper assessment. I mean, we barely, you know, that's brilliant, Martin. If you've got one, we very rarely get that, don't we? Yeah. I mean, it's worth um, if you think the paramedics have done a proper assessment, trying to speak to the paramedic, isn't it? If we've got that yeah. sort of information. Um, but like you say, yeah, it's really <laughs> tricky. It's really tricky, and they don't normally want to speak to us. But it's also um, anything that we can gather about, you know, 
PTA and when when it yeah. when it was clear that they that person was actually laying down memory is really helpful because as you say when they're being interviewed three years later by a medico legal expert the story will be different and not necessarily deliberately different I'm not saying everybody's lying of course, of course. Um, but just because everybody remembers things differently don't they in the in the yeah. aftermath so yeah. yeah 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 and and just very, very briefly I mentioned one of the factors perhaps urology will consider within the Mayo classification isn't physical evidence at the time and yeah and and, and really radiology yeah and again perhaps slightly cynical how many brain injuries do we deal with without Radi- radiologic radiological yeah. radiological contemporaneous radiological signs at the very outset quite a few I'd say oh many absolutely yeah. I mean that's a whole other podcast is here <laughs> and that's another and that's another discussion well we'll, well we'll be putting that one on the podcast list in the future but yeah radiology is really um tricky isn't it but like you say it's something to factor in for your yeah. experts when looking at the mayo and what were the other ones you mentioned retrograde amnesia yeah, well, re- re- retrograde amnesia again largely based on uh, a claim of self-report yeah uh, retrograde amnesia being uh, the memory deficit pre-accident yeah thank um, you which yeah very much so um and, and as i said post-concussive signs odd behavior and so on yeah but, but like it's but like i mean we can't underestimate the impact there that perhaps significant doses of strong opiates might have on an individual yeah and other things obviously um cause you to be confused at the scene shock and um very much psychiatric reaction to the you know other things do cause you and that all needs unpicking and unpicking carefully by our experts doesn't it and by ourselves through the record review which is the next thing i wanted to mention actually so in terms of we've talked about it already really but the evidence you need to gather to help your expert with the classification is you know lots records to the nth degree as usual um you know what I said before, witnesses at the scene, anybody, you know, anybody yeah. who witnessed them in the immediate aftermath, who can talk to confusion, who can talk to loss of consciousness, who can, in the next couple, you know, it's even in the few days after the accident, is it? Were they yeah. family members or work colleagues who realised that they didn't remember what was going on and couldn't remember in, things? In, in, indeed. And the key being that the more contemporaneous, the better. Yeah, always. Absolutely. Because after... Like I said before, after a couple of years, you'll remember it completely differently, won't you? And you'll forget yeah. the, the claimant yeah. may forget quite legitimately how long it took to get the memory back, etc. And it's then really difficult for experts to do it. So records, records, records. I Agreed. think I've said that, said that in every podcast I've done so far, I think. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just being boring. Um, I think the only thing I want to mention finally is, does classification really matter? You've alluded to it already. It doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't it? My answer, I, my answer is just like that, yes and no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can literally, uh, in brain injury claims, it, you know, it can be a million dollar question, can't it? Yeah, it I mean, yeah. is there or isn't there a brain think, injury can be? I, th- I think really the, the, the point is, is not, in, in terms of claim cost and impact upon an individual, short, medium and long term, it may not really matter. Yeah. Just it, what really is important is the extent of any enduring cognitive deficit upon that individual and that can differ in mild moderate and moderate to severe and it's Um, weird isn't it it's sometimes like the one thing that they're struggling with is fatigue and they may have done a really high level job and they just can't do that anymore and it's because of that individual's pre-accident abilities and what they were doing pre-accident and the fatigue 
Whereas another person may have the fatigue, but manage it and legitimately manage their life still. Yeah, yeah. It it, it can be subjective. Well, it is subjective. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, And and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It can affect affect different people in different roles in life differently. Yeah. Um, A person in that stressful, high-powered job who may have a mild, subtle brain injury. Yeah. And everyday life activities of daily living and so on are, are, aren't difficult, but that job that involves that high level of stress, high level of thinking, st- strategic thinking and, and so on, possibly can't do it. And, and yeah, uh, w- yeah, whereas someone with a less taxing job with possibly a slightly more serious brain injury can do it. Yeah, and they can manage their life as they did before. I know it's, it, it's, yeah. a, it's an odd thing about brain injury claims. People react very differently to them, don't they? They could have yeah. the same type of injury, the same classification, and be completely different in their outcomes, couldn't they? Yeah, I agree. I agree entirely. Yeah, so in summing up then, it's so important to get the classification, but it can or it can't impact <laughs> going forward. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've not given any answers then, really? We've not given any answers, but we've given a very interesting chat. Um, our, our answer was yes and no. Yes and no. As often is our answer in the legal world, I'm afraid, sometimes. Um, Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Um, If you'd like to get in touch with Martin or myself on any of the points raised, um, our details are in the episode description of whatever platform you're using to listen to this. Um, And also, just to remind you, there's another one coming, another podcast coming. Next time, it's uh, Oliver Goodman and Alex Puddy discussing the issue of experts in a TBI claim and who to use. So um, thanks very much, Martin, and speak My to you My pleasure, Libby. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye.